Lee, and I'm very happy to be joined by Paul Ozam. Also, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. Now, Paul played for the Super Saints between 88 and 93, and then 95 to 2004. Won five Premier Division titles in the famous Red and White, two League Cups, and played in some huge European games as well, including those matches against Celtic during a golden era for the club. Also, the man who's made the most appearances ever for St. Pat's, although, Paul, you're only one ahead of Ian Birmingham, so he's about to catch you up on that record. And you, of course, won multiple individual awards throughout your time as, at Pat's as well. And you had that short spell at Shamrock Rovers in the middle. So how would you reflect, in an open point of view, on your long stints as a Pat's player? Yeah, it's, it's, it is. Just when I was just reflecting, Reflecting on it earlier on, after I spoke to you about doing the doing the, the interview, um, I thought back to 1989. It seems like hundreds of years ago. You know, it's it's, it's a long, long time ago. And some of the memories you've got to delve deep into your, your memory bank to, to 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 rediscover them. Um, but some fantastic memories, and it rekindled a lot of happy times for me with the club. Um, as you said, I had had plenty of success. I was looking up to playing some really good teams with some really good managers, fantastic supporters at the time, and, and still are. And in my opinion, the best supporters in the country by by a mile. And so, I've so many so many good memories of, of of my time at the club um, over the number of years. And when I look at it, like it's I think it spanned as you said from '89 to 2004. It's 15 years, bar one season when I when I went to Shamrock Rovers. Um, so it was a long time at the club, and I, I totally enjoyed it. And um, I didn't realise until you know last year. I think somebody. Somebody pointed out to me on that was on social media that I'd made the most appearances. I, I genuinely had no idea. And um, it's great. Ian has been a fantastic servant for the club as well. So, you know, I'm sure he'll go on and make more appearances than, than I did for the club. Um, so that's that's not a problem at all. I'm sure his record will be broken. But you never know because it's not in the modern day game. There's there's not really that longevity with clubs and players. You know, don't seem to be as loyal to clubs as they were maybe in, in years gone by. So, yeah, fantastic memories and, and lots of them. Really, really lots of them. And last year, we were able to celebrate the 90th anniversary of St. Pat's, Paul. So how proud are you to be the man currently who's played the most matches for the club? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a great achievement for me personally. As I said, I, I wasn't aware of it. Um, when it was highlighted to me, I kind of thought, Jesus, like, that's, it's, it's a good honour to, to be the, the record appearance holder for any club. Um, it's not something that I dwell on. It's not something that I would have had. I had no idea, so... Things like that, and I've also, I've often said this before, like personal accolades and things like that, even throughout my career, don't interest me, you know, to be honest. Um, I, I've won five or six league medals, depending on which way you look at it. We, we obviously had the year when we, we were deducted points. I'd still look upon that as a year that we won the league. So I'd always say we've won six six league championships. With regard to material things, medals, I honestly couldn't tell you where they are. Um, in, in this time now that we have to tidy out rooms and clean out the attic and things like that. I come across a couple of the medals, but I don't know where they are because to me, the medals are only material. It's the memories and the, the hard work you put in, the players you played with. They're the things that really matter. So I'm back to your question. The, the record number of appearances is, is something that wouldn't, would, something I wouldn't dwell on. Take me back, Paul, to 1988 and signing for St. Pat's. I think you were playing at the time for Mount Marion and Brian Kerr was the manager. Yeah, I was playing for Mount Merion at the time. Um, I, I actually had a spell of maybe two or three years prior to that. I was only 18, I think, where I hadn't played football uh, for, for a few years. I just lost interest. And um, Sean Connors, who's a good friend of mine, um, he's a comedian, funny man. <laughs> he uh, he got me back to play with Broadford Rovers for a season. And I think it was the following year, it was Broadford Rovers in the 19s. I think it was in the Amateur League at the time. I would have been a year younger, so I was under 18 at that time. And well, only pals played with Broadford, so... I went and played there. It was the following year I went to uh, Mount Marion. I 
can't remember how he ended up playing there, but he played a season there. And um, it was actually Billy Baxter who came to watch um, two of the players we were playing at the team. I think, I think it was St. Brendan's from out the north side, St. Dan's Park area. And they were actually going for the league and Billy came to watch their two centre-forwards at the time. And back then, um, I could play where I wanted to play for Mount Marion, basically. So I think I had had a long day in work that day and I just told the manager that day I want to play centre-half because I was a little bit tired. Probably less running there, um, as I thought <coughs> at the time. But I, as it turns out, I had a very good game. I think we won the game 3-2. I think I scored two goals. And after the game... We went for beer in the, I think it was the Mount Marion house at the time, at the Marion Inn. And this man with the little grey beard uh, approached me, and it was the first time I ever met Billy Baxter, and he asked me would I be interested in going down to uh, have, a, have a go playing for St. Pat's. Um, and I said I wasn't really interested. So a couple of days later, I got a phone call from Brian, and he cajoled me into going down. Um, Robbie Gaffney, who lived in the area, Robbie would have been somebody who I looked up to. Had a, would have had a, a spell of Shamrock Rovers previous to that. It was well known around the area as being a, a really talented footballer. So, um, between between one thing and another, um, between Mick Moody, who was there as well at the time, was a guard in Dundrum in my local area at the time. And between Mick and, and Robbie and Brian, kind of got to stage where I went down to train um, in Walkinstown Park at the time. And I, I ended up signing. And that was the beginning of my time there. That was, was saying, I think it was 88 actually, because I had a season in the reserve team before I broke into the first team. Ironically, me breaking into the first team came at the expense of Robbie Gaffney, who uh, the start of the 89 season, first game in Limerick, I think it was in Rathban, um, and I was sub, I was in the squad, and I was sub, and Robbie broke his leg, unfortunately, early on in the game. I had to come on to replace him, and that was my first appearance of, of many. And that year, 89-90, was the league-winning year, and the first league the club had won since 1956. And you had a fantastic season yourself and, you know, the team did too. And after such a long wait to win a league title in your first senior season in the League of Ireland, how did you find being a league champion that year and the path that took the team to that title? At the time, it meant nothing, Jamie, to be honest. I was a young player, first season in, didn't really, didn't really mean anything to me. Probably didn't sink in for a long time that we'd actually won the league. Um, to the club, yeah, obviously it was massive having not won the league since the mid-50s. It was a fantastic year, I remember, with Derry City, who I think had won the double the previous year. Really good side, littered with lots of top players. And from from probably mid mid season it was a two horse race, I think, between ourselves and Derry. And we were we were lucky enough. I remember we, we had a big win up in the Brandywell toward the end of that season. I was lucky enough to score the winning goal. Famous goal for me from a John Tracy Cross. Um, and we won one nil and I think that kind of tipped the scale slightly in our favour. Gone into the last I think four or five games after that, and we, we ended up going on to win the league. And when I look back now, it was a fantastic achievement. But as I said at the time, it just kind of passed me by. At the time, I was only a young player, and it didn't, it wasn't a big deal at the time. But you know, when I look back now, there are a number of players playing who never won one league. So it, it is a fantastic achievement to, to win a league title, and I know there are lots of players who won multiple league titles as well. So um, yeah, at the time, it wasn't really a big thing. But looking back now, it was a fantastic achievement. Yeah, and you spoke there about, you know, that goal you scored and, you know, your height, I'm sure, meant that all the managers you played under would have used you to very good effect on both attacking and defensive set pieces. But you also scored other types of goals, too. You might just, you know, remind us of some of those. And, you know, in your position, after being a centre-back in the early days, you became more of an attacker and you did score some important goals for the club. 
Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would have never looked at, looked at myself as being particularly good in the air, although it's not six foot four, so you should be, you think. But I never had a really a great leap, as I think I think it was Brian pointed out to me one time. I didn't have the best leap in the world. But um, look, I, I I think when you're playing, if if, if you some of the years we we had fantastic players, deliveries, a set piece. I remember Eddie Gormley, Martin Russell. I mean, you just have to put yourself into an area. The ball's going to go in there. It's going to be played in with pace, with accuracy. And if you're a couple of inches taller than than the opponent, you've got a great opportunity to, to score. So, yeah, we did score a lot of goals in set pieces, not just me. I remember Colin Foley, uh, Ricky Flaherty, who, who was probably, not probably, was better, far better than me in the air, and he was probably, I, I would say, six inches taller, shorter than me. Um, but, yeah, we had fantastic um, success with set pieces, particularly on the Pat, who's, who, who spent, uh, Pat Dolan, spent a lot of time um, in training, during training sessions, lots of time spent on the training ground, practicing set pieces, practicing delivery, the timing and the runs and so on. And we great joy. I think a large number of our goals, I think more than 50% of our goals in one of the league title winning seasons were scored from set pieces and teams just couldn't defend against it. Paul, it's in Pat's podcast, so we want to speak mainly about your time at Pat's, but there was a year at Shamrock Rovers before you came back to the club and it's been well documented about the, the issues that led to you having to leave the club, having had such a successful first couple of years and stuff. It might just, again, remind people of that story and you had to leave before coming back to more success. I wouldn't say I had to leave, Jamie. I'd say I chose to leave at the time. Um, it was a long time ago. Um, the club had won the leagues in 1990. From 91, 92, 93, those, those years preceding that league, um, that league victory, the club was in a little bit of decline. Um, financially, the club wasn't very stable. A lot of players had left. Um, I was a young player. I'd been, I'd been approached, not approached, I'd been asked, you know, through the, through the correct channels by Sean McRovers for probably the two previous seasons, would I be interested in, in signing? And at the time, like I was getting a massive increase in my wage because I wasn't on a big wage at Pats at the time. Um, and I chose to stay at Pats, but it came to, this, to the stage where I felt for me for my career and for me to develop as a player that the, the best thing to do was to move on. And um, I, I decided to, to leave in 93 and go and sign with Sean McRovers. Um, and late Ray Tracy, um, Lord Reston, was the manager at the time and he was really good for me as, as, as a manager. He was a fantastic man-manager, got the best out of players, Really knew what made players tick, and uh, had a good, obviously had a good understanding of the game as well from his time in the UK and and, and with the, the the Irish international team, obviously. So uh, it was a, it was a great great move for me at the time. It didn't turn out to be to be so great because unfortunately you had ruptured cruciate ligament um, just after the halfway point in that season. So it was a big blow to me at a time when I felt my career was really flourishing, um, and it was a, a real challenge for me to recover from that at the time. You know there wasn't a huge amount of um, rehab for cruciates as there is now though it obviously was but it, it was an injury that wasn't as common um, as it is now and um, I, f- I found it very very difficult to, to get back playing to do the rehab probably wasn't the most disciplined fan in the world at that time um, so it was, it was a big big challenge in time for me and um, you know, sort of things happened then at always I'm not going to go into regard contracts and stuff like that and I ended up kind of being out of the game for, for a year or so um, probably 18 months in total, and luckily enough, I'd you know kept contact with Brian, and Brian threw me a lifeline. If I'm being honest, in '95 because he took a big gamble on me to go back to the club. I was I hadn't played in nearly two years at that stage, um, had a career-threatening injury, and he he, he threw me a lifeline, offered me the opportunity to go back and play with Pat's, come down, train, see how I was, see how the knee was, and done pre-season '95 season. Um, and I obviously done enough for Brian to see and, and the other people at the club to see 
that I'd recovered from the injury and they offered me a contract and I ended up staying and obviously then went on to have great success from 95 onward. Yeah, and you have your number seven Ozam jersey behind you on the wall, which I think was from your testimonial too. And when you came back, that three or four year spell led to three league titles under three different managers as well. You had Brian Kerr, Pat Dole and Liam Buckley-Paul and very good success for yourself, I think, towards the end of the 99 year when you won those three awards from the PFAI, the SWAI and the the FAI, the only player to have won all three. Tell me about those years under three different managers with brilliant players and a very, very successful era for the club. Mm. Yeah, well, when I came back in 95, um, it was a rebuilding kind of period for the club with, with, with Brian bringing in a lot of new players at that time. Um, I, think it was a, I think it was a great achievement for us to win the league in 95 because I don't think we would, at the start of the season, a lot of people would have given us, given us a chance of winning the league, but... You know, Brian, a great manager that he, he, he was at the time, and I'm sure still is, um, put together a team that he, he felt would be able to challenge for the league title. And um, we went on and won it. Won it that year. I think Brian, Brian might have left soon after that and went to work with the with the international um, underage teams. And uh, Liam, who had been playing under Brian, um, I think it was 95, 96, that, that season when we won the league, we, we almost won the double. Um, if memory serves me right, that was just the year we lost in the cup final. Um, you might be able to correct me on that, Shane, if, if, if I'm wrong. But um, I think we went to a replay. We played Shelburne and uh, we lost in a replay in Davenham Park. I think and Liam, if he's watching, might thank me for saying it, but I think he missed a penalty uh, in, the, in that game. But um, we, we, as I said, we won the league. We didn't win the cup. And it's something that haunts me to this day because I've never won a cup medal. And I think I've won nearly everything else available in the domestic game other than the, the FAI Cup. So, uh, great year that year. And then Liam, as I said, Liam took over as manager and it was, it was different. Um, you know, no, no two managers are the same and different managers have different philosophies on the game. We've got different strategies, maybe even play different systems as, as I've learned myself over the, number, over the last number of years. But Liam came in and he, he wanted to play a 3-5-2 formation and it was new to, to, to most of the players. Probably would have never played it before. It was maybe continental kind of uh, style of football. And Liam obviously had been away in Belgium and, and in Spain and had been, you know, very successful there. So a lot of the ideas he brought back into the team when he became manager uh, were evident from probably continent. And I, I totally enjoyed it playing playing under Liam. It was a lot of freedom. It's probably the first time in my career, um, you know, where a manager really gave roles and responsibilities to players now they would have been given probably indirectly previously and um, but this was really direct you play in that position this is this is your role this is your responsibility in this area of pitch this is where i want you to go now it can, it can become too structured as well i mean I, I know that myself but there's got to be a certain amount of fluidity in it but everybody knew the job um on the lane listen everybody knew the job on the brian don't get me wrong absolutely 100 percent. but it was just different with regard to patterns in the game and, and, and phases in the game and w when you could go and when you couldn't go and everybody knew so it was really there was really a lot of empowerment given to the players on the pitch that if you weren't doing your job everybody else knew you weren't doing your job because everybody knew everybody else's role you didn't only know your own role you knew your, your, your teammates role within your unit within the team so it meant that you could there's no hiding place for any players and i think that really helped the players to know that i can't hide here i have a job to do here this is my it's my responsibility to do this and we had a fantastic season, really, really fantastic season that year. And we had some really great players. I can remember Packy, uh, Colin Hawkins, uh, Steve McGuinness with a back three, generally was the, was the back three. 
um, and they complemented each other greatly. They all had different different qualities to be able to play as a three at the back. We, we Willie Bulk, uh, Trevor Crowley, uh, Doyle are left back as well, left wing back as well, Keith Doyle. Um, I think Trevor Malloy was back from, from had come back from, um, I think it was that year, come back probably Cyprus the previous year with Thomas Morgan. They'd been in Malaysia with Brian, um, so I'm probably getting the years mixed up here, but I know they'd been away in, in, in the World Cup with Brian. They came back and signed for us, Pat signed them. Um, so with, with some really good players, Ricky Flatty was there, Nolly Myrna, there's, there's so many crossovers of areas of players that I played with, that's, you know, I need really a roadmap to, to navigate through the whole lot, but <clears throat> I can remember the year with, with, with Liam, we, we had a really successful year and played some fantastic football, I think at the time we won the league with a record number of points at the time, um, I'm, I'm not sure if that still stands, I think it was two points to win at that time, but that was a thoroughly enjoyable season and one that uh, sticks in my memory, now that could have come after the the, um, I'm not sure the years, Jane. You might have to correct me there on the actual years and the managers because I said it's 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 a long time ago now. Yeah, the 95-96 year was the cup final against Shells, a one-one yeah. draw, and then the replay. Uh, the club lost two-one that year. Uh, as far as I'm aware, and I was only six at the time, but having done my research there, you came back to sign for Brian Kerr, and that That's was right, your yeah. first that was yeah, your first season yeah, back with the club, yeah. so it would have been, Brian Kerr would have been the manager for that league. That's right, yeah, 100%, final yeah, that's, that's definitely, yeah, that, it's after that then, the next couple of seasons, I, I, I can't really recall who the managers were at the time, so, 96-97 um, was, you got that I, there, no? Yeah, I have the laptop here, I'll, I'll just double through, but I know just from my notes that there was league title wins for Pat Dole, Liam Buckley, then Eamon Collins took over for a time as well, so, yeah. when I'm looking for this, you might just uh, outline a bit more, Paul, about some of the players that you played with. And again, at that 90th anniversary last year, a lot of the great teams are back together. There's some great photos of you all dressed up in the suits and stuff. But like that team and the players in it across those years, and it's no problem if you mix up the years because there were a yeah. few different players. You know, some some standard of players to be playing yeah. with in the league. Look, I, I know I've talked about this before. And as I said, there's a lot of crossover. And if I was to pick... And 11 from my years of Pats would be extremely difficult. I, I would say nigh on impossible because there are so many good players throughout the different teams that I played in. And if I go back as far as the, the, the 90s, sorry, even the 80s, the late, late 80, 89, 90 season, um, I can remember players Dave Henderson, Johnny McDonald, Robbie Best, I can remember, was a fantastic centre back. Played with us, went, ended up going to Bohemians then a couple of years later. Mark Ennis was a goal machine, Joe Lawless. I've already met, mentioned uh, John Tracy, um, Pat Fellin played. There's a littering of fantastic players in that early, my first kind of spell there at Pats. And I'm obviously forgetting some players and I haven't got a list written down here, so I'm, I'm not going by memory remember everybody. Um, and then I think in my second spell when I went back, um, I, I, you know, I can remember the likes of Packy, Colin Hawkins, Thomas Morgan, Trevor Malloy, Ingalls in, fantastic player. Couldn't run, couldn't run, he'd be bad knees in, but he's a fantastic player. And I, I would think if he hadn't had the injuries he had, he would have went on to have a really, really top, top career um, wherever he wanted to play because he had a great football brain, great finisher, great habit of scoring, being in the right place at the right time. Ricky O'Flaherty, another fantastic goal scorer. Martin Riley, you know, there's so many good players that scored goals. Um, Eddie Gormley, probably the best player I ever played with. Um, you know, Eddie had a fantastic career, really. Myself and Eddie, very good friends still are but during our careers there at Pats. I mean, we were like two peas in the pod and he was a fantastic player to play with. He, you know, he didn't let, he didn't leave anything. He wouldn't get away with anything with Eddie, and he dri- he drove the team on. And he was self-driven, and he drove the team on as well. And he was a big part of the success we had in the years. And um, I was at Pats. Um, then it, I suppose getting toward the, the the latter years, 
you know, I mean, Keith Fahey played, obviously Keith was a fantastic player, went on to represent the country on a number of occasions. Um, I look, I know I'm forgetting people, Trevor Wood, if you go back to the time he played, you mentioned earlier on in Celtic, I only looked at the game recently, um, the nil all down Parkhead, and I don't know how we do in nil all, and Trevor was just fantastic on the day, he must have pulled off, I don't know, I'd say down at double figures, the amount of really top class saves he pulled off in, in that game. Um, Charles and Babsy Livingston, another fantastic player played with, um, lit up the ground, was just capable of doing, doing the unexpected. Joseph Endo, I mean, as I'm sitting here thinking now, I'm just so many. Yeah. I could spend so long just rem- reminiscing on players that played of, of high quality. And as I said at the very start, like you win accolades, you win, you win medals, you win leagues, but you don't win them on your own. You've got to play with really, really good players and have a really good group of players around you and good, good team, good management team, good coaches. Um, to win stuff because it's a team game you, you win nothing on your own so yeah 97 98 was pat dolan and, and then 98 99 was liam buckley so right. that's how that kind of ran through and, and then it went through to you know that famous year in in 2000 2001 when the club won the league on the pitch and you have a medal and all the players have medals but in the end i think shelburne were declared champions went to the champions league qualifiers and so on all to do with registration issue and we put up this this morning paul on twitter on the same past twitter asking people for you know some stuff they wanted to hear you talk about and that season was won and you know how the players felt at the end of it you know given you had won the matches got the points but in the end weren't the champions yeah uh, it, was, it was it was difficult to take jamie i can remember the day we played ucd in, in the old belfield bowl and we met in the goat uh, the goat grill um, for pre-match and I can remember there was a little bit of tippy tone going around between um, staff members and something wasn't right I can remember we, was something just didn't sit right and then I can remember both Paul, I think it was Paul Marney if, if I can remember, remember correctly was pulled aside and uh, Paul was a, was a he was a starter in the team at that time he, he played midfield or right full and he was pulled um I can't remember who pulled him, one of the staff pulled him and we've seen him having a chat with some of the board members involved as well. And um, next thing Paul said, he, uh, he wasn't playing. You know, we told some of the players, he said, I don't feel well, I'm not playing today. And, you know, with hindsight, there was something, something wasn't right. And at the time, you, you kind of thought, well, he wasn't sick five minutes ago. Now all of a sudden he's sick and he's just been talking to the manager or the coach or some of the, some of the committee members. So all of a sudden he's sick. So we went and played the game. Um, against UCD and I think we won the game I can't remember but then a couple of days later started to break that there was some issue and I think it was it was Charles and, and Paul Marnie incorrect but there was something to do with uh, registration and being honest the players meant nothing didn't bother us didn't affect us we just thought ah shit it doesn't matter like what, what they, they forgot to sign a form or somebody forgot to sign a form or it wasn't in on time or I can't remember what, what the exact irregularity was but we, we didn't think about it we, we never thought that we'd be deducted 10 points for something that was nothing to do with us really um, and that was nothing to happen on the pitch but I mean rules are rules at the same time well, I just felt that the, at the time maybe the crime didn't 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 uh, deserve the punishment at the time and um, you know to be deducted 10 points for something at the time was, was seemed very trivial particularly to the players now don't get me wrong I know that you know the, this, the administrators have to got to do their jobs as well but we were deducted the 10 points anyway, and I think that drove us on, um, you know, to, in a way, it probably helped us too, because we probably felt less pressure coming to the latter stages of the season. I remember, I think we won something like the, set, the last seven or eight games, and we were untouchable, really, at, at that time. And it could have been that there was a little bit of pressure taken off us, because we knew 
we're not going to win the league on points gained on the on the pitch because I think Shelbourne were, were too far ahead with, with us having been deducted the ten points. Um, and at the same time, it probably drove us on. So it was probably a mixture of things. That, you know, we were driven on by the fact that we felt we'd been hard done by, and then there may have been a little bit of pressure alleviated with the fact that we you know look we can't win anyway. So let's just go and do the best we can. But I remember the run in and. I'd have to look at the records. I think we won our last eight games, eight or nine games um, of that season and ended up, would have won. I think we lost the league by three or four points with the 10-point deduction. So, you know, we do the match. I know it's different because situations would have been different if we were really going for the league and maybe we may, may not have won all those games toward the end of the season. But it's one that I look back on and, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be just saying it now. I've always said it. I said it at the time. I've said it in this interview to you at the start. I've said it on numerous occasions. The game is won on the pitch. The, the, the medals are, are, are material, materialistic. They don't, they don't mean an awful lot to me. Maybe they do to other people. So we won the league that year, and we accumulated the most number of points in the pitch. Have I got a league medal for it? Yeah. Where is it? I have no idea. Where's the medal for '99? I don't know because, you know, I have to go looking for them. They don't mean a huge amount to me. But the memories and the fact that I know we were the best team that year, that's what means more to me. Yeah, Shells, after the points deduction, won it by 10 points, Paul. And it was actually a 15-point deduction for Pats because Charles had played in the first five games. Again, I'm just reading reports here. Played in the first five games. It was an all-winter season then, so it would have started around August. And he wasn't registered till the mid-September. So the 15-point deduction was because he had played in five games when he wasn't registered. Um, and at the, at the time, the manager was Pat Dolan, and he was fairly outspoken in the media at different times about what other clubs had done and hadn't done with different registrations and stuff. And for you guys at that time, was that, you know, were you fully in the loop as to what was going on? And on that day when Paul Marnie was pulled aside, because I think he was involved too, and you're kind of looking around trying to wonder what exactly was going on. As I said, we, we didn't know at the time. I thought it was strange. I thought it was strange um, in hindsight on the day in the goat grill where Paul Marnie's one minute he's eating his pre-match meal and he's fine. And I think he would have been a starter in the team at that time. And five minutes later, he's telling us that he's sick, doesn't feel well, and he won't be able to play. So you don't know at the time. You don't know what's going on. Maybe he, he, he could have been. He wasn't, as it, as, as it transpired. But he could have well have been sick, you know. Um, but I just I found, I remember I found it a little bit strange at that time. And it just goes to show you, um, I had no idea. I, I thought it was 10 points. So it just shows you how little we really dwelled on it. And even to this day, until you've told me there now, I thought we were only up to 10 points. So it's something that wasn't to the forefront of us as players um, week in, week out. We just went out and tried to win as many games as we could. And with the players you mentioned, Paul, and you've spoken about their abilities on the pitch, and also at that time, the bond that the players had off the pitch was huge, and you're still, and I'll go back to that 90 thing again, I could see all of the players back together again, you know, with their wives and, and that sort of stuff, and, and having a laugh and having a chat. You might speak a little about that and the relationships that all of you guys had off the pitch. Well, we had a great... Great, great camaraderie um, at Pats in all my years there as players, and I think it's it's embedded in the club in the in the supporters as well. Um, the supporters are really, really loyal. They, you know, they they support the team and still do through thick and thin. And um, they won't just want you to do your best. I mean, I can remember being applauded off the pitch in games you may have lost more so than in games we've won because we may have tried tried harder and played better in games we lost. They weren't they weren't really results result orientated. The end of the day, they want success, and, and they've got plenty of it over the years of supporters. But that kind of spilled into the to the to the to the team as well, to the players. And it's a lot easier when you're successful as well to be friends off the pitch. You know, if you're not winning games and you're dogging it every week and you're getting beaten, it's, you don't have that same kind of bond with players. But we certainly had through all my years there, we had fantastic uh, bond with the players off the pitch. Um, 
that's probably you know it was a different era we probably drank a little bit more well we did um than than than, than players would now um I, I can remember one of the seasons we won the league um and when we won the league in Kilkenny, so I don't know what year that was, but I remember Eddie Gorman scored a goal. It might have been, I don't know. I need to have to check. But we won the game last, we won the league last game of the season. I, I think Shells were playing Dundalk that day. And I think the league the league trophy was up in, up in Dundalk because everyone thought Shells would beat Dundalk. It turned out Dundalk beat Shells and we, we beat Kilkenny uh, 2-1, I think. And we won the league. But that season, I can remember the start of that season, um, we used to obviously travel to the away games on a, on a coach, and we, we'd have a few jars on the way home. The coach it was the done thing at the time. They'd probably stop off on the way back and, and have a beer, or, you know, bag of chips, whatever it was at the time, and get on the bus and bring a few cans on onto the bus. I mean, it sounds, sounds ludicrous now, but that's that's what happened at the time. And I can remember we, I think we went through that. Again, you'd have to check the way across. We we went through nearly the whole season unbeaten away from home, because the the, the kind of thing we we, we said was. If we win games away from home, we'll allow ourselves to have a few beers on the way home on the bus. So it was kind of a, a car for us in a way. Like you obviously wouldn't be conscious of that when you're playing, but it was something that we felt let's not get beaten here because we can we will enjoy it. We'll enjoy the journey back to Dublin on the bus all the more if we win. Granted, there was the, the, the car there having a, having a few beers. So even outside of that, socially, I mean we, we we'd regularly meet up um in, in the city centre and have nights out with the teams and with the players and with the girlfriends, wives, and what have you. Well, yeah, it was a, it, it, it's a big, big help when there's a good bond between the players, and it's, it's not it's not always necessary. But I think it is a massive help if you get on with the players that you play with. You don't have to, but it can be a really, really big help if you're on the pitch and your buddy's beside you and you need to dig him out. He needs to dig you out. Um, I think that off the pitch kind of bond that you have with players is is big, and I think you see in most successful teams throughout the world that there's always that bond and, and also with the manager I think it's massive as well particularly now in the modern game when players spend so much time in the in, in the environment with the coach years ago you're probably only training a couple of times a week even in in, in professional clubs in England it's probably not, no, nowhere near as many sessions as they do now so I think it's vitally important that there's a bond and a, a, a togetherness and a trust and a sincerity between players and staff that game, Paul, in Kilkenny was the 2nd of May, 1998, and Pats won the league by a point. You were right about the Shells-Dundalk match, and just reading a report here about the, the Eddie Gormley goal and stuff, and also uh, one of the paragraphs reads, pitch invasion. It prompted a massive pitch invasion, and when order was restored, Pats played down the clock to claim the title in the most dramatic fashion. And another example of the same Pats fans, you've mentioned them a couple of times, Paul, home and away across your time with, with the club and since and before. Tell me about the relationship you had with them and the support that they were to you and your teammates. They were brilliant, absolutely top class. You know, and I still I still know a lot of them now. Um, you know, t- t- up till today, um, I still keep in touch with a lot of the fans. They were fantastic. Like they really were. I said it a few minutes ago. They supported you through thick and thin. They wanted you to give a hundred percent. If you lost the game, they'd still they'd still back you. If you won a game, you didn't put in. They they they'd let you know. You know, they they were honest. They, they just talk about sincerity. The, the fans are very sincere for St. Pat's. Always have been um, in, in my time there, and, and I'm sure still are. Um, I see Ken Menton only today. He's, he's walking 50 kilometres a day, I believe, to, to raise funds for the club or, or for something to do with the club. So that's that's testament to him, and he he's the kind of character that that has always been, you know, within the club and in supporting the club. There's always been Ken Menton's there through all through all my team and and, and a large number of them. Um, we played in Celtic in Parkhead. I think you mentioned it there, and I think it was in 1990. 
88, sorry, 98, yeah. 98, sorry, 98. Um, and I think uh, there were 66,000 people in the, at the game. I think there were 6,000 Pat supporters, and they made more noise. I know it sounds bizarre, but they made more noise than, than, the, than the Celtic fans did in that day. Followed us all over Europe, as they still do now. Um, I can remember playing in, in, in uh, Harold's Cross many years ago against Derry City. I think there were 10,000 uh, Pats fans at the game. Um, yeah, Inchicore sold out so many times. Richard Park was sold out. Jordan at, at some stages. Jordan them them areas when we were winning tail, winning leagues couldn't get you couldn't get a ticket. I remember I was injured once and I couldn't get a seat in the stand. Like that was the, the amount of that's true. The amount of people who were going to the games at the time. But the big thing about them was that they as I said they, they supported you through thick and thin. They were honest, hardworking, you know, community people who backed the club, loved the club, and uh, they were really a joy. I, I I wouldn't have a bad word to say. Genuinely mean that in all my time. No, even through times when, when maybe we weren't so successful, I can never ever remember a Pat supporter having a negative thing to say to me or any of my teammates. And I don't think there's too many clubs in, in the world who could speak like that about their supporters. Yeah, and you spoke there about some of the injuries, Paul, and I know you know you had a couple of very serious ones, but on the Pats in the past, a couple of weeks ago, Gerard Bryan was speaking to Colin Foley and Darren Maguire about a famous trick Pat Dolan did on some European match where he emptied out the beer bottles and filled up the water bottles. But in the same story... There was this phrase, Ozan is doubtful. And that's something that's been that's you know lived through your Pat's career that every every media release on the, the Wednesday or the Thursday had you as doubtful to play now. You always were able to, to be on the pitch to line up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well the, the the bottles of beer one is yeah, I can remember that that was in Croatia. It was it was brilliant and it was it just summed Pat up. He was at every trick in the book to you know, there was some spy in the in the when we were training before the game and he got somebody to go and buy beer and empty them out and fill them with water. After training, they probably heard the story anyway. But um, the Osama's Delphone, yeah, I mean, that was Pat. I was driven by Pat. Um, I probably was, to be honest. I probably was Delphone okay. a lot of the time because I did have a lot of injuries. Um, you know, I, I, I missed an awful lot of games, even even though I made a record number of appearances for the club. I missed a lot of games as well, particularly in, in the early days. So I had, I had some very, I had the cruciate injury and that dogged me for a couple of years. And I always had problems with that knee and I had groin problems. Um, you know, the, the the thing about I think Pat was playing mind games with with, with the opposition a lot of the time, which saying oh, I might play and I might play, and I think it became it got worn out after a while, you know. But I think the supporters went on to um, have a match day um, program, fans on thing called Osama's Doubtful, and that was on that was the name of it. So it was it was a bit of pants at the time as well. But I've no doubt that Pat would have at the time, you know, we probably would have got the upper hand in in, in some games. It would it would wear itself out after a while. But probably in the early parts of the Osama's doubtful uh, campaign, some clubs may have thought, you know, well the big fella's not playing today, so we won't be under pressure from set pieces or whatever, you know. So yeah, it was a it was a funny thing, and it's 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 something that I often think back to um, the Osama's doubtful um, era. And as well, like the family aspect of the club, Paul, and my favourite photo of you involved in St. Pat's, I'm looking at it here, is you with Paul McGrath and Evan, your son. Evan is five, around five at the time. It's your testimony in 2002 in the dressing room in Richmond. And you have Evan in your arms and he's smiling with Paul and Paul is shaking his hand. And, and that is just a brilliant photo of your son involved in your Pat's career and your wife, Regina, as well. And it's always been a family club, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a community spirit club and the community really gets behind the club. There's a, a, a generations of, of of family support the club. You know, I'm sure if you go if you've done a survey there now, you know, with with the Pat supporters, 
they don't just jump on the bandwagon. I'm sure loads of them, their grandfather and great grandfather and father, you know, mother would have been would have been a Pat supporter. Everybody has a connection with the club, and and it was always like that for us um, as players. Family were always welcome. You, you can see from the the testimonial picture there. And your family were always welcome, always involved. You needed your kid to do mascot or come to a game or come into the dressing room. There was never an issue with that. And it goes back to the whole ethos of the club being, you know, holistic in in, in every view and every approach. And that would have been brought in a lot by Pat as well, the Pat Dolan, who really brought the whole community spirit to the club and the family club. And it, no, it worked. It helped. It certainly helped. And and, and rolling rolling that into the, the 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 family kind of sense that the players had with each other as well. So. Yeah, it was a it was a team that was used um, throughout the club to be a family club, and it certainly helped us. Let's go back to the football, also, and European nights and European games for you with St Pat's. We spoke about the Croatia beer story. What stands out to you? And I will I will want to ask you about the Celtic game in '98 mm-hmm. at Celtic Park and the return game and stuff. But you might just speak overall about your 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 Saints European memories. Um, probably the 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 best one. For us, well, obviously the Celtic one was a one-off kind of thing, you know, where we we, we, we basically, it was a, if you want to see a masterclass in defending and, you know, great goalkeeping, you just have to look at that game um, to have to hold that Celtic team to, to, to a, a, a scoreless, scoreless draw. It was fantastic. I think the one, really, we, we played, uh, I think it was HJN H, Rijeka in Croatia. Um, and they were good side, really good side. Um, and it was boiling hot, I'll never forget. It was really, really warm really humid and they played uh, the, the pitch was was close to the sea which gave a little bit of a, a little bit of a cooling effect being being on the coast it was a really really hot night and uh, we 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 went 2 nil up with memory surgeon right? i think i scored i think it was jerry o'brien not jay mccarthy i think scored um, and we were 2 nil up against <clears throat> against a team away from home in europe and i think there were only about 10 minutes to go and uh, we ended up losing 3-2 it was a real Real sucker punch to us to um, I'll be two 0 up and almost have one foot in the next round of the competition to then concede three late goals um, and 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 lose three two and I think the reason we may have lost the three late goals and maybe in some um, remnants of beer left in those bottles that packed <laughs> maybe we got a bit fatigued in the in the latter part of the game and um, we played in the return game um, and we we won uh, we won one 0 I think uh, if, if you can check that there Jamie. I just found I think we won one nil in the return leg, and I, I may have been fortunate enough to score there as well. I think in Richmond, and uh, we won one nil and went through the away goals. That tie would have been uh, the most gratifying for me, probably because I scored both legs. I hope I'm right in that. I think I am, um, and it was a great achievement to go through a round of European competition at that stage. You know, at that time, there wouldn't have been a huge amount of clubs progressing, um, unlike now where clubs are being very successful in Europe. But it was a big deal for us at the time to 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 go through. I think it was the was it the Intertoto Cup, Jamie? Um, I think it was the Intertoto Cup at the time, and we went through to the next round. So that that European, those two European nights against that, that uh, team from from Croatia, H H A K Rijeka, would stand stand there for me uh, massively. Obviously, the the night in Parkhead, um, in front of a massive crowd, I think it was sixty six thousand. They just put on an extension to their stadium, and it was the first game. Um, in Parkhead with that with that capacity, and um, you know to hold them to nil all well, it was a fantastic achievement. We defended for most of the game, but we defended really well. And defending is an art, and Pat had us well drilled at the time. You know to be able to defend against masses and masses of attacks, 
Um, Trevor Wood was heroic in goal. I remember Packy Lynch, Colin Hawkins at the back that day. Trevor Crowley, um, you know Martin Russell midfield. Eddie Martin Riley played the front, and and I, I remember with about three minutes to go. Martin Riley had a fantastic chance. It was one of the rare occasions we got into Celtic's half the pitch. We had counter attack, and um, I think Martin Russell won the ball in, around the halfway line. Played it to me. I slipped it into Martin Riley. Martin done ever so well. He wrong foot the goalkeeper, cut inside the, the, the centre back. He wrong foot the goalkeeper. He gave him the eyes, as they say, from just outside the box. The ball skinned the post, and he would have had a pin drop in in Parkhead at that, you know, for that second where it was nearly like, you know, oh God, we've we've nearly gone a goal down, you know, the mighty Celtic at home to the minutes of of St Pat's. That was a, a great night. Um, we we unfortunately lost the second leg two 0 I think in Talca Park. Um, it was no shame to go out to a really good Celtic team. There were other nights as well. Um, I remember we played um, in the, the Belgium. We played, I think it was Ghent or Genk, one of those two teams at the time. Really close, close uh, game as well. I think we went out and away goals in that one. I think if, that was uh, actually in the Intertoto Cup, the round after you beat the team from from oh, Croatia. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we had we had disappointing nights as well, and you know you've got to you've got to take everything. And it's entirety. You can't just look at successes. We we we, we had a terrible terrible um, time against the team from Moldova. Um, I can't remember the name of one. Only beat us ten nil over two legs, and it was, it was surreal at the time. I can remember the first game in Inchicore. It was a balmy summer evening, um, and we were we were bashing them. I mean, we 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 were we could have been two or three up inside the first fifteen minutes. I remember Ian Ingles in he clashed your heads, and he had to go off the pitch. He got his head bandaged up, and in that time he was off the pitch. They broke away and scored. And it was like a shock. This, this, this crowd from Moldova have gone and scored against us. They ended up scoring another four that evening in the corner. It was a surreal game. Like It was replayed 10 times. I don't think you get anything like that result. And then we went over there um, to Moldova and uh, they bashed us again 5 0 over there. But we were very deflated going over there. And it was like 10 0 over two legs. And we, we were reminded of that for many years after by, by opposing fans. And with their, you know, they had chance about that 10 0 defeat. And it wasn't nice, so there were good nights in Europe, certainly, but there were, there were certainly bad ones as well. And that tie against them, um, can you get that team there, Jamie? You know, Moldova, can you get the team. What year was that, do you know? Yeah, uh, oh, I can't tell you, 90, 98, 99, around there, 97, maybe. Okay, I'll have a look here. And you might get it, I just can't remember the name of them. They weren't a bad uh, side. Uh, St. Pat's humiliated, uh, 1999. Uh, Zimbrew? Zimbrew, FC Zimbrew, that's right. Yeah, 10 yeah. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that. Um, I think they went and played Spurs in the next round, and I don't think they were I don't think they were embarrassed by Spurs. I think they may have lost you know, they lost two, two nil or two or three nil, I think, over both legs. And so they weren't a bad side, but they were never they were never ten goals better than us at the time. But uh, we just had a horrific, horrific night in the first leg and that's one of the my least my least uh, favourite memories of playing in Europe. I should have employed a full-time researcher for this, Ozo. And oh, you should have done it before you come on. <laughs> How many big matches? Did you? I didn't know what you were going to do. I, ha- I have a lot of research done, but not every single match uh, you ever played uh, for Pats. Uh, many was it, 320 uh, or something? I'm only teasing you, Jamie. Um, the Celtic game and the, the attendance was just under 57,000. 57,000, 56,864. And like Henrik Larsson played, Alan Stubbs, Jackie McNamara. Like That was a good Celtic team. And looking at some of the names on the Pats team sheet yourself, Eddie Gormley, Martin Russell, Trevor Malloy. Like, in the game itself, how did you think you guys fared against them and, and 
the crowd too. How did you find all of that like? Because that's that's an unbelievable attendance for any League yeah. of Ireland player to play in front of. Yeah, the crowd. To be honest, Jamie, um, and I think most players will, will tell you that play have been lucky enough to play in front of big crowds. Once the game starts, you could be out your back garden. That's that's reality. I think for most players, I think most would say that. Maybe in breaks and play, or if there's somebody injured, you know, or at half time when, when you're going off the pitch, you may just take it all in and say, you know, geez, there's a lot of people here, but. You know, before the game, obviously, you, you might be a little bit nervous when you see such a big crowd. Once the game starts, for me, it's gone. You could be anywhere. Um, how do we fare against them? I think we fared, uh, we fared okay. They were a lot fitter than us. That, that I remember. They were an awful lot fitter than us. They were much stronger than us. They were physically, the physical condition was, was far superior to ours at the time. Tactically, I think we were spot on in the way we played. Um, we, we, we would have played nearly a 4-5-1. Four, four, remember Martin Riley nearly played on his own up front. Um, we defended really well. We covered the ground really well. We were disciplined in, in how we had to defend. We frustrated them an awful lot. Um, they, on, the, on the occasions that they did break us down, they, they were met with, with a wall that was Trevor, Trevor Wood at the time, who, who, who incidentally, I don't know, some of the people watching will remember him, but Trevor was Trevor wasn't even six foot. I think he may have been five foot ten. He's one of the smallest goalkeepers I ever played, but he was a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, brilliant shot stopper. He was good across as he had good spring in him, even for a small fella. And um we just frustrated the life out of him. Um it was really, really difficult. It was really, really hard. I don't think I've ever been as tired um after game of football in my whole life as I was in that day. And that's how hard we had to work um in that game to keep him out. So it, they weren't they weren't much better than us, but they were certainly fitter and stronger than us back in that time. And I think I think that was across the board with National League teams in, in that era where we weren't as um, we you know we weren't as advanced in our in our, in our knowledge maybe our our application of diet nutrition you know rest um, fueling our bodies with the proper liquids not alcohol. Um, and, and these clubs are just were far ahead of us. And I felt that every time we played in Europe, we were always on the back foot because we weren't physically as strong or as able to play the game at the pace for the full duration of the game. There's a question about that Celtic game on Instagram from Robbie O'Sullivan, who says, ask Paul about the build-up to the Champions League game in Celtic Park and afterwards and the supporters that were at that match. It was fantastic. We went over, um, I think we went over, um, Pat would have pulled out all the stops back then, you know, to get us over there, I think we may have been close to a week over there preparing for the game, four or five days anyway at least. You know, we were in Glasgow for a long time and there were there were hundreds of Pat supporters all around uh, the city. I think um, they, they used to come up to the hotel. I think we stayed in the Jewish Hotel in Glasgow, just outside Glasgow, not in, the, not in the centre of the city. There were lots of supporters up around the hotel. I said already on the day, like they made more noise than the, than the Celtic supporters. I, I think there were five or six. I'm not sure, Jamie. On the numbers, but there were a massive number of Pat supporters there um, that day, and it, they just gave you so much, um, so much of a drive before the game to see them before kickoff, to see the amount of them in the stadium. And when the ball would play, or we, you know, we break away an attack, or Trevor Wood would make a good save. Like the, the, the roar from them, you know, I know I said you don't hear the crowd, you do when you want to get it in, in your favour, you know, when you hear when you hear somebody roaring you on. Um, but they were they were magnificent. Um, after the game, um, what's the the the, the lad's name? Robbie, is it? Uh, Robbie O'Sullivan, yeah. Robbie O'Sullivan, yeah. I don't know. Robbie may may say we were we were out drinking and pubs or something, and he'd be dead right. We were. Um, I think we. No, I think we came home straight after the game. But I look, it's. I remember we were in the the players' lounge after the game, and um, we were up singing and dancing on the tables, and these fellows were looking at us and going, you know, what are these lunatics doing? It's 
it's just a game of football, but to us it was a massive, massive occasion. And I think we drank the bar dry. It was only a small room in, in the players' lounge in Parkhead at the time. I'm sure it's been developed since then. But I think they ran out <laughs> they ran out of drink for us in, in, in the in the bar. So um I don't know if Robbie O'Sullivan was was there as well that day, but certainly it was a fantastic occasion. Really, really, really enjoyable um, and really memorable occasion. Some other nice comments from John says, what a player, wonderful character. Tony says, in my all-time grade 11. Another Tony says, he might be doubtful though. So uh, lots of nice Pats fans, uh, Paul, on, on Instagram and Facebook. But coming towards the end, uh, and on the team of teams you've played against and players you've played against, what do you remember about the big battles for league titles and trophies at that time and maybe some of the best players you played against? Because, you know, in this era, we've got We've got Court Dundalk the last five years. It's now Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk, really. In those days, lots of different teams in the 90s were winning league titles. I think Pats won four or five, but some great battles, I'm sure. Yeah, I got, I go back to the 90s, the early, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I mean, Derry City were, were magnificent, um, magnificent team. Great battles with Derry City in them days and cup games and league games and going for leagues. Um, they had a ma- magnificent team. Um, Back then, Felix Healy, Northern Ireland International, Liam Coy, probably, uh, not probably, I would say, the best player I ever played against. Um, really, really massive talent, lovely fellow as well, but really competitive and really, really gifted on the pitch. And that daily team, Pascal Volokwin, I can remember, played right back. I would have played left wing, uh, 4-4-2 back in them days, and it was just a nightmare playing against him. He was like the roadrunner, he was an attacking fullback, and you'd have to be chasing him back and like he'd give you a 15-yard start and well me anyway and he'd still, he'd still get the ball before me so you had to be really, really clever and really cute in your positioning when you're playing against uh, Derry City particularly with Pascal being, being a marauding uh, fullback. Um, in the mid the mid, the mid kind of 90s I can remember Shelbourne having massive duels at Shelbourne throughout them, them days um, I remember Pat was manager there Pat would play Pat Fenlon would play and managed um, Jim Crawford is a good friend of mine now as well. Would have played there. Great battles with Jim throughout throughout them them days. Shelburne had a really really good side. Tony Sheridan playing. I think it was the ninety five ninety six season when uh, we when we when the beats in the replay. Tony scored one of the best goals I've seen in in, in the first uh, game um, in in Lansdowne to make it one all. They had the keeper sent off early on. Brian Flood went in goal. Um, Goffey was sent off, Brian Flood went and goal there down to 10 men. Dave Campbell scored for us, we're winning 1 0, we're cruising. Looked like it's going to be this hoodoo broken and winning the cup. We'd already won the league, everything's hunky dory, everything's rosy, and then just out of nothing, Tony Sheridan hit a volley um, from 30 odd yards out. It's one of the best goals if you, if you want on YouTube or anybody who was there, remember, if anybody wasn't there, can go on YouTube. It's a fantastic goal. And uh, they went on to beat us then in the replay. We we great battles with with Derry, uh, sorry, with, with Shelbourne in that era. And then there was the Cork team of the late nineties. Um, I hope I'm not doing any other clubs in injustice, but you know, just from memory as I'm speaking to you now, um, it was that Cork team. And um, they had obviously Pat, Pat Morley, John Caulfield, um, uh, Patsy Frayn, again one of the best players I've ever played against. Great character, lovely fella, really really good, clever, smart, kind of street footballer. Um, read the game really well. It was a step ahead of everybody else in the pitch. Um, Declan Daly, you know, I can remember playing really combative uh, defender. Played centre back, right full. Wasn't the biggest of fellas, but I tell you, he he leaves mark on you. Very good early as well. Um, so probably through the three different different eras I had, I'll probably say that Derry, then the Shelbourne, and then in the latter years, probably the Cork teams were the ones that we would have um, battled with most. And we've spoken a lot, Paul, about a lot of the happy memories 
as a St. Pat's player and as a League of Ireland player. I know you do have some regrets too. You mentioned earlier on about never winning an FAI Cup, which I think is the only trophy you haven't won. There was also lots of calls across your career for you to get an Ireland senior cap. That didn't happen. So what would you say about some of the lower points of your career? I don't have too many, Jamie. You know, I'm not just saying that loosely. I really don't. Um, you know, obviously injuries have been, injuries are a massive, massive blow to any player's career. Um, you know, very few players are lucky enough to go through their career injury-free. I had, I had certainly had me share of them. Um, I'm not really regrets about not getting an Ireland cap. I think if I was good enough, I would have got a cap. I think that's reality. I don't think, I don't think there are too many uncapped players who are good enough to be capped. Um, regards to um, my time at Pats, I don't have too many lows. The, the Zimbru time when we lost ten uh, nil in the, over two legs was a, was, a, was a real low. Probably having to leave the club in the in the early nineties was something that was a low point for me in, in, in my career. But overall, I think I've been very, very lucky, extremely lucky to have the career I had. And I, I never, you know, I don't really look back and say, I wish I had done this, I wish I had done that. And well, that was a really, really bad time for me. It's been just lots and lots of really happy memories. Um, obviously, a few littered in of bad results are, you know, the, the year probably when we didn't win the league, when we did win the league, you know, the, a little bit of disappointment around that. But most of the times when we were challenging, we, we won. You know, the cup, the cups, the cup finals. Obviously, we had a couple. I had another one then. Uh, I don't know what year, maybe the early two thousands against Longford, and we were in a good position then. Probably slight favourites maybe at the time to win it, and we didn't. So that would have been disappointing for me. The two cups would have been disappointing for me. And um, but outside of that, I've, I've more, of multiple times more happy memories, um, than than sad or unhappy memories throughout my whole career, whether it be at Pats or at the season I had a Shamrock Rovers. What do you miss most about playing for St. Pat's? Um, I suppose the discipline in your life, um, particularly in the latter years um, of being a, being a professional, semi-professional, whatever way you want to call it, um, footballer, that, that routine that you have of you know having to eat properly, having to train, limiting your alcohol, um, being on time for everything, then the buzz of the match day, um, it's irreplaceable, you know. So I suppose any player would tell you it's the games, it's the matches, it's the buzz of the, 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 the stadium, it's the preparation, it's in the dressing room before the game, going out onto the pitch, seeing the crowd that's there, hopefully performing well. And, you know, that, that real, the adrenaline you get, and I always remember over all the years I've played, it's the waking up the day after you've won a game. And you know when you wake up, everybody, when you wake up in the morning, like you, you kind of take a little bit of a check to, you know, what day is it? What did I do yesterday? And that initial first five seconds when you'd wake up the, the day after winning a game and you realize we, we won last night, I may have scored and we're top of the league or whatever. I miss all that. I miss all that excitement and the uh, the buzz around it and also the, the, the discipline of, of being being fit and being healthy. And I mean, I try my best now as well to look after myself as much as possible. But you, you know, when you don't have to, um, that you may slip every now and then. And, probably eat something a lot of the time, eat stuff you shouldn't be eating or maybe drink more than you should or whatever and not, you know, not go for a run or whatever, not, don't keep yourself as, as fit as you should be. So, um, yeah, I'm, I do miss it, but at the same time then, like, you, you have more time to spend with your family when you stop playing. Yeah, you, on one hand, it's great to have that pressure of having to do everything. On the other hand, sometimes it's nice just to say, you know what, I'm just going to sit in, I'm going to just put my feet up, I'm going to watch something on Netflix or I'm going to go to a movie, I'm going to have a pizza, whatever it might be. So there's, there's, there's pros and cons to being, being a player and, and, and not being a player, being, being retired and being finished playing. Lastly, also, is there one past memory that stands out for you or a couple? 
Um, very difficult, Jamie, to, to, to pick one, to be honest with you. Um, so many. And if I said one now, I know I'd get off the, get off the interview and go, oh, geez, there's something else. You know, there's, there's, there's numerous. And honestly, when you spend so long at club, as I did, like through, throughout the two spells, I think it's close on 15 years. Like it's a massive, massive part. Like it's, 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 it's one third, over one third of my lifespan I spent at the club. So there's, there's numerous, n- numerous um, memories. Um, some I couldn't speak about, obviously, uh, on this, on this, on this forum, but, um, no loads. I won't give any because I won't give one because it'd be unfair. There's, there's so many. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, Emilian. Cheers. Thank you.